Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Scrapyard. I am your host, Nathan Mulepolder, joined here by Taylor. Hi. And Xavier. Today, we continue from isolation, talking about the Overwatch League. Specifically, we are going to be talking about the Echo Show matches, our most anticipated matches of next week. May they happen. And we are going to be continuing Hindsight is 2020 with the Kongdu Panthera versus Runaway Korean Contenders Season 2 Grand Finale game. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you guys that you can follow us to stay updated on Twitter and Instagram at Scrapyard Media. Of course, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, especially where you're listening right now at Scrapyard Media. Roll intro. Do you come from a land down So, Echo is the new hero being introduced into Overwatch. We are getting another DPS, but she's actually pretty exciting, and they had a show match uh, using the Shock and Dynasty, as well as the Gladiators and Valiant to show off this new hero. Yeah, so first, going into the Shock versus Dynasty match, it's... Well, coming out of the Shock versus Dynasty match, it's kind of what we expected. Everybody on the Shock looks really good on Echo, and then Prophet looks amazing on Echo for the Soul Dynasty. But it's, again, just one of those... Shock seems to just know every in and out of every hero when it comes to their DPS line. And they were even just... Moth didn't even have to play this weekend. He played, like, what, two games, and then that was about it. So... I think it was fun to watch. It was good to see Echo's new skill set. And then going on from there, the Gladiators Valiant game, I think out of the two games over the weekend, the, the ma- Battle of LA was definitely the funner one. Probably only because the coaches got to come in and play. Yeah, that game. The LA match. They definitely didn't take it like as seriously as the Shock probably did, where the Shock were you know trying to no mercy their way through it. But, um, you know, the first, the first game was like, all right, it was the shock winning easy. Who cares? But the second game was so fun because both teams didn't take it too seriously, but they also took it seriously enough where they were still trying hard and like, you know, still doing competent overwatch. Uh, but it was still fun. And I think a big part of the fun was like the match chat being able, uh, like being active. And so we could see all the players like talking trash to each other. Uh, it was very fun, and you know the coach is getting in to play some Echo Goats. But I really like Echo. I think Echo, she seems like she's going to get nerfed a lot because oh, yeah. she does have already, the potential to be. Super I think strong. they mentioned that there already are changes being made to her. I'm pretty sure I heard that floating around during those games. I also wanted to say that. Um, they were certainly entertaining. It was really nice that they not only debuted a new hero, but they debuted a new player, Bird. <laughs> yeah, so the apparently Bird Ring like just logged in on like his Smurf account or something. <laughs> because yes. for the first couple maps, me and even the casters, like Uber and Mr. X were like, who the hell is Bird? Like Bird is just this new player. And then after a while they realized, oh, that's bird ring and he's just on like a weird alt account and it was just one of the many weird meme things no different than like i think it was space on lucio and he was awful we had like shaz and big goose on tank 
Uh, the coaches yep. came in. It was just such a weird, loose atmosphere. And Echo really shined where the players that got to play Echo. I love her ult. I think her ult is so exciting in her kit where there were so many really good plays where they would like copy the Reinhardt and get like a sick shatter or um, we, mm-hmm. we saw people try to like uh, copy Lucio so you can get like an extra barrier and some extra healing and I think Echo really adds like a, like a completely new dimension of who do you copy why do you copy them and like in what situations do you do it because I think Ryan is like the easy go-to because you just get a you know two second shatter but it is interesting that you were able to get like a Lucio or another Mercy so you could have like double Valkyrie going, double Nano going. Like there's a lot of interesting things that you can do with her ult. And her like regular kit seems pretty cool. She's like a shield killer. Um, her primary fire is like decent enough skill and the sticky bombs are cool. Um, so I like her. It's just I wonder how nerfed she's going to be by the time she ends up being in the Overwatch League. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I really, I really, really enjoy her kit. I loved some of the Reinhardt plays, like, flying up, turning into Reinhardt and dropping with a shatter from, like, the sky bo- skybox, or the double shatter that happened on, uh, King's Row. I forget who got shattered twice, but you just see the chat, I got shattered twice! It was, like, one of the coaches for one of the teams. I think uh, my favorite part was Sinatra getting, like, three pulse bombs with one echo ult. Like, Oh, yeah, that was amazing. That was insane. Um, but, again, it's just one of those things where it's... Watching it right then, the casters had to consistently be like... Uh, I think Uber asked Mr. X, he was like, Is she a, is she a little too overpowered right now? I, I think she's a little uh, OP, and Mr. X was like, She seems just right. And I'm like, that's such a... That's such a Mr. X, like, kind of response. But I do think going into when she does finally come in, because it was announced that she's like the last hero of the base Overwatch before Overwatch 2 comes out, that it's going to be interesting that they decided to go with another DPS as the newest hero, because it was Baptiste or Hammond that was the last hero that they added into the game i'm not entirely sure which but it's weird that they went with like another dps instead of like trying to even out kind of the support or tank line for like at least adding in another character because there has been so much around especially since we're in the archives event with the havana map from last season where we met baptiste and then we have uh a few other characters that just kind of make an appearance in that and then never came to fold but will probably come to fold in Overwatch 2 I think hopefully going into the future that the game isn't as you know I hope that the game doesn't fall behind and then Echo gets thrown in as this like super overpowered as she is right now sure she's still getting changed and she's still in the PTR but I think there could be the risk of them just being like, okay, let's get this hero out and then get out the next game. But we haven't gotten, like, that many damage players. Like, Sigma Baptiste were the last two heroes, and then we had a run of two supports and a tank. Like, it's not like we don't get damage healers. And, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's about time that we get a new damage hero. Uh, Ash is irrelevant. 
And so, like, the last relevant damage person we've gotten was Doomfist, because Ash is barely a hero at this point. So I like that Echo was added, and I don't know. I just, I just enjoy that it's another damage dealer, and I just feel like, realistically, it's just a bunch of, like, whiny tank and, you know, support players that just constantly feel, you know, uh, hurt by every little thing. I feel like that's fair. I like DPS. I like Echo. No, Echo's but, cool. uh, We can't stay on Echo forever, and we can't stay on these fun games forever. Unfortunately, we have to talk business. And that business is the, hopefully, fun games that are hopefully happening next week. Um, so just to quickly go through the games, and we're not going to list all of them because there is a ton of of games and a lot of them are repeat games and a lot of them are just games that aren't particularly fascinating I guess to us who are watching it so we're gonna just kind of go through the games that we're most excited for and I will throw that over to you first Xavier so that you can rant and rave about listen bro the game of the universe coming up is the the Shanghai Dragons versus the Guangzhou Charge. The Guangzhou Charge and Shanghai Dragons haven't played at all. They're both really good, and it's just interesting to see kind of what they come up with, especially the Dragons, who obviously have Fleta. Um, a lot of the players that are on the Dragons right now, we will be talking about uh, coming up in hindsight as 2020, so there's a lot of connection there. And I think these are two of my favorite teams uh, this season, the Dragons are obviously super exciting playstyle, and the Guangzhou Charge are always really good. And I think that they can run out some like ridiculous lineups, you know, with with their stacked line. And um, I also think that we're gonna end up seeing a lot of Neptuno, which will be pretty cool uh, because I'm pretty sure they'll end up playing Mercy a lot more than like Lucio or something. So yeah, shout out to that. Yeah, I also have on my list the Dragons versus the Charge because, obviously, reasons you just stated, first time getting to play, and they're kind of this podcast, and I think everyone's fan favorites, um, and I definitely am looking forward to seeing Neptuno after all this time, and hopefully, eventually, seeing Charge shit on Philadelphia Fusion, and Neptuno getting that like revenge story that we sure. so happen to love every single time. Yeah, I'm very excited and, uh, for... Oh, yeah. go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. Um, I'm very excited for the games from the Chinese teams. I'm specifically... I'm really excited to see the Shock Return, but I am very excited to see Guangzhou and Shanghai play because we have not gotten to see them play in so long. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, And I think... Um, oh, Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, probably my actual most uh, anticipated game is the... Uh, soul dynasty versus the dallas fuel just because i don't know man i just want to see profit just stomp the dallas fuel i i look forward okay. to that and also there's just a lot of really good questions about the soul dynasty because they did get destroyed by the shock this weekend but obviously it wasn't like that serious of a game but the soul dynasty definitely have a lot of questions and the dallas fuel everybody is down on them so it's really interesting to see if they end up rising to the occasion and actually aren't as bad as everybody is assuming they will be. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. Um, I have Dynasty versus the Gladiators as one of mine. Um, 
just because it's like the last game of the week and after you know so much time off if they have a really bad loss or a really good win against Dallas I think Dynasty can show that the Gladiators aren't as good as everybody thinks they are and it's just one of those matches where you're kind of like please knock the Gladiators down a few pegs before and their and their fan base down a few pe- uh, pegs before things get wild again and they start thinking much like Philly is the best game team in the the league I also have, and I know that you also have this on your list, Shock versus Gladiators, but that's again kind of like we just kind of want to see them get stomped in a way, I feel like. So I would gladly like to hear your um, your reasoning behind Shock Gladiators because mine is just because I want to see the, the Battle of LA again. Well, the Battle of California, but with the Gladiators. Well, this is the Shock facing a real team. For the first time this season they played dallas but yet again dallas isn't necessarily like a real overwatch team so <laughs> so i'm looking forward to that see them play against the gladiators who are very skilled and a very strong team and should be able to push the shock at least a little bit and it'll be interesting to see just kind of what the gladiators have been working on for this entire time because i could imagine a lot of these pacific teams coming out um with some extra like stuff, you know, with some extra practice, with some extra skills that they've been hiding. Uh, I mean, the shock have been teasing uh, Ansan a lot. They've been teasing him. They've been saying that he's like incredible, and he looked really good on hit scan this last weekend. So it'll be interesting to see if they just bring in Ansan, um, you know. And on top of that, it'll just be really good to see Bergring back, and just to see what he can actually bring to the team. Um, but yeah, I, I look forward to watching the Gladiators. And the shock just kind of, uh, you know, show us mm-hmm. something new. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I have the last game that I picked, which is New York versus Atlanta. I don't know. I just want to see Atlanta again. It was one of those things where I think it's been just long enough that I haven't seen these two teams play and they both seem to be scrappier than normal like especially New York they weren't as calculated as they had been and as uh, methodical as last season so I think mm-hmm. going into this uh, this weekend after so much time and so many different like teams and so many different things going on it's going to take a lot of that personality that I know both of these teams have to actually like keep them keep people invested in them as well as like all the rest of the teams that are playing because it's like obviously shock returning stage champions the titans are also playing this weekend so there's something that even though the titans have like a pretty easy game there's still people that have like big fan groups so it's going to be hard and i hope that atlanta and new york still like capture that like charisma that they have so much of off screen or on screen like in a stadium as they will when they don't have like a fan and a thing behind them and if things we saw from the friendly matches if we'll still get to see that kind of like chat or if it's going to be more back to strictly overwatch mm, we got to be good people and not show this kind of stuff so i'm wondering how no, it's going to be significantly more uh you know professional than the scuffed show matches were but yeah, yeah that's fine but that's like the, the last team i picked that i'm looking forward to watch this weekend yeah and I guess the only other teams I'm interested to see, even if they do play, 
is uh, the London Spitfire playing this weekend, just because they're relocating back to uh, Korea. Um, you know, they're traveling back to Korea, so it'll be interesting to see if they even end up playing this weekend. And if they do play this weekend, um, how the sudden travel has affected them. I think that'll be interesting to see if they you know, look tired or anything having to go all the way back to Korea and then play Overwatch like within days of that. And now we continue with our new series since Overwatch League is in a drought of games with good reason. Uh, we are continuing Hindsight is 2020. Last week we looked at the first day of the first week of the first season of the Overwatch League. Today, we are looking at the last game, the Grand Finals of Contenders Korea, uh, Season 2, and that was the Kongdu Panthera versus Runaway. Uh, it, it, was a, uh, it was a game. It was a game. Um, so, I am... Um, go ahead. I guess just some background on why I chose this game. Um, because... One, neither of you have ever watched Contenders. So, you know, I think it's just interesting kind of seeing these players before they've entered the Overwatch League. And I didn't watch Contenders at this time. But I think another really interesting part of this game is it's one of the games that actually has the most history kind of coming into it um, that we've seen in Overwatch. And it's one of the games that, looking back on it, has a lot of significant history, even looking back to season two. Um, so it's just kind of like an interesting point in all of these players' careers and kind of seeing where they are and where they ended up at the end of um, at the end of season two because there are a lot of parallels in this game to what happened in season two for these exact same teams. Um, so I thought that was just kind of interesting. And it's just like a really good game. Like it's an eight-map series. Um, there's a lot going on. It's, and you know, it's the last, uh, I feel like it's the last kind of really huge Contenders games, um, because last season was pretty big with like Fusion University popping off and stuff, but you and Element Mystic going really good, but I feel like there was a level of excitement for this Kongdu Panther and Runaway game that I saw on like Twitter um, that I haven't seen in, in a while, and so I feel like this was kind of the last of the really big games and probably like the last of like apex being a big part of kind of overwatch history because you know these two teams go back to apex season one so it's just kind of like a really good i guess bow to put on like the apex era um you know which we haven't gotten to but you know th this game kind of represents that in a way mm -hmm. yeah for sure and like we said the two teams were the kongdu panthera and runaway and Kongdu Panthera consisted of Ding, Youngjin, Koma, Luffy, Roar, and Decay. And then Runaway was Janu, Bumper, Hacksaw, Stitch, Summonsu, Twilight, and Slime, your Vancouver Titans from last season. Basically, Shanghai Dragons versus Vancouver Titans. Yeah, essentially. If With some added gladiators in the mix. So, they started on... Lijong Tower and there was a moment where I saw goats on both ends of the like screen and for a split second I was like oh god Ugh. 
gag. Gross. I haven't seen this in so long. And then I immediately followed that up with watching Bumper die and being like, man, I kind of miss Bumper. I hope he's doing okay. And then there was several times later in the game where I was like, Bumper, if you don't hit something other than a wall with your fire strike and yourself when you're charging, I'm going to be very upset like in two seconds. I swear to God. It was, you know, as my notes say, it was, you know, goats, jazz hands, because that's what yeah. it was. It was just goats. It, it was it was definitely a goats game. I mean, we saw a lot of the same things we saw. Like, we saw Bumper and Hawksall set up like a, uh, you know, uh, a shield bash shatter, which was really cool. Um, I think just an interesting thing is going back and watching this game that Kongdu immediately just went to, like, Farah goats, which is a very Shanghai Dragons thing. Um, but you could tell it wasn't as, like, sophisticated or, I guess, as well planned out as it was in Stage 3 of Season 2, which I feel like they really perfected that style. Because in this first map, they kind of got destroyed on the ground. Like, the Vancouver Titans basically ignored Farah and just killed the rest of the team, and then Ding's Farah was irrelevant. Um, so this map was kind of an easy win. Uh, for Runaway at first. And then, you know, Runaway kind of lost it a little bit. At least I feel like, you know, Runaway, I feel like lost some of that aggression early, but then they immediately picked it back up. And despite Roar's incredible shatters during this map, which he had some crazy shatters throughout this entire series, uh, Runaway ended up just taking the map clean. And it really did almost look like just an easy 4-0 at first. Like, Kongdu didn't look like they had anything for Runaway. You know, it, oh, yeah. the Farah stuff didn't look like it would work at all. It just, it felt like a map where it's like, oh, okay, the Vancouver Titans are gonna, you know, 4-0 a team. Like, obviously. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and it's just, it was just one of those moments that I was watching this and I was like, oh, I can't under like I can't believe that I'm gonna sit here and watch this. And then I remember it was part one of two parts that uh, I had to watch, and that's when it sat in that I was like, well, hopefully, by you know game five something is good's happening that I'm like still super invested in this. Uh, that'll be a secret tool I will use later in a rant. Um, so it was just it was fun to watch, and it was it was again. I miss Bumper, and I hope whatever he's doing now, he's doing well. Whatever it may be, since he's no longer with us anywhere. Hashtag yeah. finding Bumper. Um, there was something that I noticed in between maps, in between maps one and three, or one and two, that I really enjoyed, where all the teammates and, like, coaches and, and, and the managers would come out to, like, you know, where the players are sitting and talk to them directly and do like direct coaching and i don't know uh -huh. something about that presentation i really enjoyed seeing like all the coaches come out and like talk to the players and like figure things out um it really just gave a nice visual to how the teams are adapting mid-game and what the emotions like are in the dugout and stuff mm -hmm. um that we don't get now where they just you know go back and then come back out and you don't get to see kind of the coaching aspect. Yeah. But in this, I really enjoyed. You just saw all the players come out. You saw, you'd you see Hureg, like, pump up his teammates. You would see Flowervin come out and, like, 
you know, kind of make sure all the players are okay. You'd see Kongu Panthera try to figure things out. And I just enjoyed seeing the visual of teams working through the struggle mm -hmm. of either winning a map or getting clapped really early. Yeah, no, I, I also noted that down, but I noted that down later when I was just kind of doing overall notes after the first four games, whereas like, oh, we're going to go to a break. So they were just doing a bunch of replays and stuff. So I kind of noted down some of the things I found interesting. And that was definitely something where I was like, oh, you know what? This is actually, this is actually really nice because you, other than when we were watching the All-Star games last year, we didn't really see that kind of like com camaraderie from everybody and I think that's something that is really nice to be able to see outside of just like the shock winning the playoffs or the shock winning the championships and everybody coming out or you know during an all-stars game I think it's very important to see like the interactions between the players that are subbing in for maybe you know whoever eventually when we go back to seeing people on stage being able to have those little moments of like oh hey you know it's nice seeing, you know, somebody being like, hey, good job, good luck, you got this. Like, that kind of, like, sportsmanship that we don't really get to see where it's just like, okay, now suddenly space is in or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And so, I guess coming off that map, I um, I noticed, like, Flowerfin came out and it's just, like, a really interesting story of how Runaway is as a team and how successful they've been because they're basically run by Runner and Flowerfin. And they're married, which is, you know, super cute. Um, but Renner basically started the team because he just wanted to play professional Overwatch. And he was already, like, a popular streamer. So he just said, screw it, I'm just going to start my own team. And so <laughs> he just started a team on his own and played support for them and entered Apex Season 1. And um, Hawksaw was on that team. Like, he's probably, he's, like, the OG of OGs on this team. But they ended up doing, like, pretty bad. Like, they weren't that good. They had some like good upset wins and then the team was kind of down and so him and Flowervin, his wife ended up saying screw it we're gonna like get a team house and we're gonna figure this thing out and it paid dividends because they started winning and they started actually playing super well and they were you know start picking up uh really good players and then runner had to go off to military service so basically this team um, for like the past couple years has been all Flowervin. And I think she's done, one, everybody respects her that I've seen on Twitter. Like every person at Overwatch respects her. And she has the pedigree to back that up. Because if you just look at the players of who Runaway has produced, Runaway is probably the most successful competitive Overwatch team organization ever. Mm -hmm. um, for sure. Just based off of like general success because... Obviously, they send all their players to the Overwatch League, and the entire team gets bought by the Vancouver Titans. And then last year's runaway roster ended up producing a bunch of Overwatch League players again. Hisu, Lee Jae Gong, Gangnam Jin, Shui, Yaki are all in the Overwatch League, and they came from runaway. And even this year's runaway squad, um, they signed Flower, so if they end up turning Flower into a valuable asset, that's just going to look even better on the organization. And they have a lot of players on the team that I really wouldn't be surprised if just end up in the Overwatch League because Runaway is such a well-run organization. And I think it's just cool looking at, you know, when you when you hear uh, Wolf and Achilles cast this game, 
they have a real good understanding of the history of Runaway and how good of an organization Runaway is. And I don't know, I really enjoy that. I like stable organizations, especially in contenders, where so many Overwatch League teams are dropping their contenders roster. I think Atlanta Academy isn't playing games anymore. Um, so it's good to see that there are some organizations and contenders that are strong and kind of um, fostering like the next generation of talent that it's super important. And so, you know, it's just really cool seeing like Flowervin come out and talk with all the players and she's super invested in the entire squad. Um, and mm-hmm. you could tell they really play hard for her and she's a strong motivating force. So I don't know. I just, I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, for sure. And, then and uh, so the next... we go to, Sorry. The uh, next map was Eichenwald. And I have to tell you, one, I was not expecting to see Runaway playing Winston Hammond, Tracer Farah, Zen, Anna, and, you know, uh, Panthera comes out. They're playing Hog, Zarya, Ryan, Farah, Mercy, you know, Zen. Which is more of a like, okay, that's that's understandable. That's on Eichenwald, you know, you're trying to do the fair thing, the far mercy thing, and you're getting kind of lucky. But it was just, I had a lot of questions because then later, which we'll we'll see, they start running this Hammond thing a, a lot more with Runaway, and it actually works for them. And I don't know where things switched. Maybe it was putting bumper on Zarya. We'll never know. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's just, it was just so interesting. And, uh, this, uh, the, there was just seemed to be like a lack of awareness from Panthera when they were going through like a lot of the first part and then Runway just per usual, I think had better ult management, but overall it still came down to just like. I felt like, and I said this a lot of times, where it was like, there's just these real lucky kind of kills that they're getting. And I don't, like, it was the kind of luck that you see now, and you're like, oh, you know, it was a, a general mistake. But it's like, literally so many times I was just sitting there and I was like, oh, you you got the luckiest You got the luckiest kill on a, like, Zarya. Or you got the luckiest kill on something. And it's just like, that doesn't make sense and you shouldn't have gotten it, but you still did. And then that's how you win the team fights. And I don't think that screams anything more of than, like, Shanghai Dragons when they did get through the playoffs. And this is, like, two totally different teams. Like, it's Runaway, it's the Vancouver Titans that are doing this, but that was such a Shanghai Dragons kind of playset through the playoffs, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And so this map was was probably the start of everything getting, like, super weird and crazy uh, between both of the teams where nobody could kill anybody, and it was super scrappy. Um, So Koma switches to widow and kills hoxel which is like another just first we see these comps and then coma goes on widow and kills hoxel and it's just like what is going on right now kongu panthera takes two ticks but then runaway brings back the defense which is the story of this game almost capturing the point and then getting screwed over 
Uh, Bumper dies. Uh, Per usual. Ding. Yeah, Ding outplays Hoxel on Faro, which is an obvious move. Uh, Kangu Panther ends up taking the first point. But this is kind of where everything switches, where Stitch ends up switching to Widow. And the Shanghai, well, <laughs> Kangu Panthera doesn't have any answer for it. Yeah. Stitch is taking these like super aggressive pine flanks and is just deleting the entire team. And this is one of the maps where I asked myself, like, oh yeah, Stitch is really good. You know, he was forgotten last season because Somensu ended up being such a great Zarya, and it was all goats at that time. And then when it switched to stage four, it was Reaper, and so Stitch didn't have a place. But watching this game, Stitch really carried this team in this map and through kind of the early portions of this game. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think Stitch is a forgotten player on this stacked team. And, um, you know, I, I, I wonder if in the coming weeks we're going to see a lot more Stitch and kind of get to see how good he is because he really turned everything around um, for this team. At least, you know, I, I, I thought. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, um, so after the, um... just a bunch of... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. So I guess after a bunch of fighting, uh, Kandu Panther goes to counterpicks and... Uh, Finishes the finishes the point, and another kind of observation I had was that Young Jin's Roadhog, which we all know Young Jin is a really good Roadhog, but mm-hmm. it was just cool to kind of see in this game he switches to Roadhog, and it was like, oh yeah, it was still really good. Like it was, he was hella clean on Roadhog, um, and they end up capping, you know, capping all three points, uh, and then there's another weird switch that happens, which I think this map was really fun because of all the counterpicking. But Runaway just went full goats on attack and destroyed Kongfu Panthera. Yeah. Like it was it was a very Vancouver Titans style game where they just pressed W and went forward and there's nothing Kongdu could do. Yeah, no, for sure. Um There was I think it was the second run through where it's just like the overtime on cart, um, but Kongju still like capped the point, and then you know Roar did his shatter like through the first little choke where the gate is, and it was like really nice, and then they had almost made it all the way to the door going into point C, like the end of point B, right over the bridge, and it was that moment where they were doing like they were doing a really hard like hold because like the um because runway had a lot of time to like try and do this when kongdu panther was just doing this hold and there was this moment where they were coming underneath the choke trying to get to the point uh runway was coming through the choke trying to get to the point and i just see ding right above in the air as farah and i'm like please don't you know you know, the stage three playoffs in Shanghai, you know, Ding does that, that thing that Ding does as Farah. And then he does it. And you're like, wow, I can't believe Ding has been getting away with this for this long. And then like the, tr- like the, like true last second, they get the, uh, runway gets, breaks onto the point. And then 
they don't do anything once they get onto the point because they don't have anything to kind of go back against Panthera. I just thought it was like one of those moments where I was sitting there and I was like, oh yes, ding on Farah, doing the ding thing on Farah that the Vancouver Titans couldn't handle when Ding was on Farah. Makes a lot of sense to Yeah, me. this is this is where the Ding Farah stuff like actually ended up working. Um I guess another weird thing was just saying Ding like kinda end up on Diva. It was just yeah, <laughs> Oh no, it was just such, it was just it was just so strange, but obviously the way the roster is constructed, um Ding just kinda had to end up on Diva. Like that's just kinda how the team ended up working. Um but so you know, Runaway finishes the map with five minutes left on the time bank. Uh, and Kandu Panthera only had one second left, so they only got a they only got a minute to complete this. Uh, Kandu Panthera takes point A really quickly, and as you said, um, they just couldn't handle anything. Uh, Roar hits another gigantic shatter, like one of twenty huge shatters he had this game, uh, and they end up pushing Roar it was playing what near we the like bridge. To call the best video games of his life. He was, dude. He was going so hard. Um, and so he, he, you know, they're, they push it through overtime and they stop it like right before point B, like right at the very end of the bridge. So Runaway has a lot of ground to cover, but yet again, they have five minutes. So how can they screw this up? And they almost screw this up. So Runaway's on offense and they just can't attack. They... It feels like they're thinking too much and they're playing too passive. Um, and Kondu Panthera is just destroying them at every single fight. Um, mm-hmm. Just giant shatters, giant barrages, winning fights without ults. Uh, you know, Runaway just looks like they have no idea what to do. And Kondu Panthera is looking like they're going to just easily take this map. So it's 20 mm-hmm. seconds left. We're in the desperation stage. We have Sombra delay the point. And everything opens up. Bumper comes in, hits a huge shatter, uh, and they take point A. It's overtime, and Ding has barrage. So, you know what happens. Yes. (laughs) Ding hits Q and just wins. Yeah, it was just one of those things where I was just like, oh, I can't believe Ding's about to get away with this. And I'm witnessing it for, like, what, the first time in forever? And um, another thing I wanted to point out, since we're getting to the end of this map, and obviously uh, Kongdu Panthera win map too, they win Eichenwald, and um, I like to think that like every fan favorite team in Contenders will eventually end up in like as an Overwatch League starting roster, like at least one time every year when they are adding a new team, there's going to be like one team they just pluck completely from contenders and just throw in because mm-hmm. it's what ha- has happened with soul dynasty it's what happened with vancouver titans it's what will inevitably happen with whichever team comes next and i won't i won't be surprised if it's runaway again um but also it was uh, at this point where we're kind of moving into that that third game the temple of anubis and i thought there was something very interesting while watching this game like was the crowd and this is like the the thing where it comes in where it's like american sports versus like other countries how very respectful the crowd was and how they only really chanted when they were like told to chant at the very start of each side of the team and i thought that's very it was very interesting and 
like the crowd was mostly women mm-hmm. like a majority was women and I'll talk about this more later because I think it I think the camera shot of Soman Su's like family and his like parents is more important later when they're closer to winning the match and she's like almost in tears like his mom I'm assuming where she's almost in tears up in the stands and his dad's like freaking out and I think that's going to be the moment where I bring that up but I thought that was adorable but it's super it's just very interesting how different the crowd's reaction was or how they edited in crowd reaction because I'm sure it wasn't like completely silent somebody had to make noise but it just seemed so quiet watching the matches i mean they didn't really mic mic the crowd like super well um but you could really hear the crowd in some of the more tense moments but i mean they definitely didn't mic the crowd like uh uh super well um i mean yeah it's just how it be but it is really interesting that like the entire crowd was basically women and you do see that in korea a lot more than like out here especially like even in i guess just like in a lot of uh you kind of sports that happen in asian countries because um in pro wrestling, I mean, New Japan pro wrestling, a lot of their crowd is women, you know? Um, yeah. It's not just all, like, dudes or young guys. Um, so looking at this game, it was interesting to see the crowd so full of women. And it was really cool to see the cr- like, just to see a crowd in general. I, I, it, was, it, was, it looked like a pretty big venue, and it seemed like a really good atmosphere. Um, so okay. I thought that was really cool. Uh so yeah, we're tied up 1-1. Uh, someone sprayed an SF shock spray on Eichenwald in that like oh, last I bit. I think it was Roar. Yeah. I didn't even see And it was see just like that. another weird... Yeah, it was another weird parallel where it was like, wait a minute. Who has an SF shock skin? Why are you spraying it? And are you from the future? Like, do you know something <laughs> that yeah. like okay, we don't know no, right I think, now? I think one of the funny moments was... I don't know what... Uh, I think the cat... one uh, Wolf or Achilles, one of them said... I don't know uh, what coach whispered in the runaways' ears to get them to go out there and do this. And I was like, oh, he whispered that they're going to be the Vancouver Titans for sure. They whispered that. Like, that's that had to be what it is. You know, they're moving up, so they got to make it big now to go into, the like, the actually big. And I was just like, that's just, like, something that was in the back of my head that I thought of. But, yeah. Again, Temple of Anubis, whoever is winning the season's apparent worst map of all time... Yeah, Temple of Anubis is just the map where everybody ties on. Like, it always happens. Temple of Anubis is so hard to, like, not screw up, <laughs> which is really strange. Yeah, no, it's like, um, I, I wonder how many draws in the Overwatch League happen on just Anubis alone. It's really funny that Temple of Anubis is such this, like, strange, almost cursed map when it's, like, the first map they designed for the game. It's cursed because it is. <laughs> cursed because it is yeah but um so this is the one where somansu kind of just takes over for the rest of the game kind of and it was a it was a very fast cap for a runaway on point a like don't get me wrong but it was the moment where it's like you know they're running genji both teams are running genji and haxel's blade was so bad and decay's blades were so good. I started doubting that Haxel was the best Genji in the Overwatch League. Because I started sitting there and I was watching this and I was like, you know, I kind of need to go back and watch a few more of Haxel's games where he plays Genji 
to see if he actually truly is as good as Zagenji as these co- as these casters were making out when we were watching him in the Overwatch League. Because for all I know, it was that one game on Temple of Anubis when Haxel actually played Genji again. And that's all we know. Because this game, it was not... It was just rough blades all around for Haxel. Yeah, he ended up picking it up a little later. Mm-hmm. Like, in this game, he had really good blades and then really bad blades. Uh, Decay, they basically just traded back and forth of, like, who had a, the bigger blade. Um, mm-hmm. So, Haxel gets a blade. He goes 1v6. Uh, and Runaway can't finish the fight. And that was the story of this entire map. Runaway would almost do something, and they couldn't finish the fight. And then Kong to Panthera would almost do something, and then they couldn't finish the fight. And that was this whole game. Like, the the enemy teams were just able to stall, and point A was taken easily every time, right? But it was point B that no team could really get an actual advantage. It was just constantly like these super long fights. And it's not like they were even playing goats like that. And so it wasn't just the fact that there was so much healing or whatever. It was just that nobody could kill anybody. And when you did kill somebody, it was too late. Mm -hmm. I think it was Wolf who said like, Haxel doesn't see the bigger picture sometimes. And you could really see it in this fight where Haxel would just be like chasing opportunities but he couldn't really kind of tell what the team needed as a whole to finish these fights yeah i have a note um, because yeah that says um it was really weird watching because the first two maps it seemed like runaway was so methodical and was so like concise and prepared for what they were going to go in with and then suddenly in this map it just like all went to shit and it's just like, well, what happened here? Why? What changed in between Eichenwald and Anubis? And it literally was like, will will Runaway be able to take this point, point B, with 54 seconds left after them capturing point A so quickly? I mean, they did in overtime, but it was still like, will they actually be able to do this or is this just another situation where we're like really really you know yeah um so we we go into overtime you know uh kongdu barely takes it and then runaway holds on defense by winning like 18 fight and we're tied 1-1 still mm-hmm. so no yet again on temple anubis no team can like come out on top and it's just excruciatingly close and this is kind of where i feel like kongu panthera started feeling confident about their ability to kind of win this game because Mm -hmm. after this they started playing a lot more decisive and i feel like these next two maps that we talk about it was even like these next three maps you know if it felt like runaway was looking for how to deal with things and, and they felt like they were playing tentative and not in that typical overly aggressive style and that just allowed ding to just run wild on everybody um so we kind of end up on map four which is Watchpoint gibraltar it's not like the crazy like i think this is probably the worst map out of all of them um yeah so I've... it's just pretty it's just pretty simple you know like yeah no i yeah. i think Watchpoint gibraltar is where i kind of lost like my patience with watching the games because i was like i can't believe there's another hour of this like 
You expect me to watch three more hours. Like, I know who comes out on top. You expect me to watch three hours worth of this game where all the matches are just run away trying to figure out how to deal with something. I can only watch Bumper be clapped by Ding so many times and not think, ah, there's that Bumper feeding mentality that comes into play every single time. Because he did. Because for some reason, he kept letting the Hanzo shoot him as Winston without putting down a I mean, this was this was the quintessential Bumper game. Because he had... I, he had, like, the game-winning play. Yeah. But he also did just a bunch of stupid things. And this is the quintessential bumper game. And it really shows... I think what he brought to this team is just, like, this crazy playmaking. And in the clutch, he's really good. But in those moments where, you know, you're just kind of in the middle map where it's, you know, the pressure's not too on, bumper's going to kind of screw up a lot. And on this map, it was just kind of a pedestrian performance so runaway kind of goes doomfist widow uh-huh. uh stitch comes back in and i don't know it was cool kind of seeing the doomfist and interestingly you can see the evolution of how good doomfists are because if you compare this doomfist to hydration's doomfist on the first day of overwatch league it's completely oh, different yeah. like you're it's starting really to different. see some of the more acrobatic movements and and cool things going on mm-hmm. um but basically this map just kind of came down to Ding just killed everybody. Ding was on Hanzo, and he got huge dragon strikes and pretty much stalled Runaway at point C. And Kongdu Panthera came through, and Ding, and their attack run was just Decay. Decay came through and just clapped the rest of the team, and Runaway just, it felt like they were tired this map and didn't really try their best, and Kongdu Panthera kind of smelt blood in the water. Mm-hmm. I do have that during this like whole thing I was like Kongdu Panthera is like holding really well but it had gotten to the point where I was like somehow Runaway will and I can't stress this enough get the luckiest pick and then an example literally fell on my whole like into my hand <laughs> when um they killed Roar and then Koma was rezzing Decay and it's just like shit like that or Haxel getting the 2k as Fist, just, you know, runaway titan things. It's it's just like that kind of thing where it's like, oh yeah, you know, they should not have gotten that that easy, like, they shouldn't have gotten that advantage, and yet they did, and that's where you could kind of see Bumper getting the life back into him, Haxel getting the life back into him, because it was on that, it was like at that point where it was like, there's a huge difference between, like, this runaway team and then Overwatch League's Titans, and just playstyle. Bumper could still be aggressive, but there was just... There wasn't the team to back up when either Bumper or Haxel wanted to be aggressive, and we saw that on, like, Anubis. They wanted to get in there, and they wanted to do their thing, but they just didn't have the support to come up behind them, or everybody moving as a complete unit. I believe there was, like, a point where they uh, the casters said something where it's like Kongdu Panthera is working as a fist while Runaway is working as five different, like six different fingers, obviously, because there's six people, but you know, like there's, they're not working together in the same manner as you would hope they would for a team who, you know, went 16 and four during that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that map was pretty kind of close and it was the, it was the, 
impetus to lead us into map five, which was Oasis. And it was just another Kongdu Panthera map. Like, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> where Farah was just unstoppable and Runaway couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Go on. Oh, yeah, that's just kind of it. I mean, Runaway just couldn't really do anything. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it just, it just wasn't really good performance. They did look good on the first point. Uh, if I think it was Lighthouse. Or no, not Lighthouse. That's not Oasis. That's Elios. That's later. Um, but either way, on the first point of this map, uh, they looked bad until they flipped it at 99% and then yeah. managed to win this first point. But it was just a typical runaway performances game where they suck and then they somehow drag it out. But it didn't really last the rest of this map because the next two points, they just got 100 zeroed okay. and had so, nothing for Kongdu. I do think that there's like absolutely no follow-up on this map from either side again. Just like Kongdu Panthera just had the like the the spirit to go on and there was moments where like I'm watching some of the, the team picks like the, the comps that they're trying to run and I'm just like you know what, I kind of blame contenders for all the silver players that I see in the world. Because some of these, and we'll talk about, I think, some of the things that I saw almost be run on Route 66 where I'm like, what are y'all doing? Don't even, don't even dare walk out this door trying to run this comp. But it was definitely around these two games where I started thinking like it just started to drag on way too much and it was because like no one was really finishing fights so it just got to the point where it's like just kill something already just use your ults wisely because there would be times where it's like the shatter would not connect with anybody and then you know it wasn't even like the grav wasn't connecting with anybody like the grav wasn't even connecting with anybody but it wasn't because Janu ate it it was because the grav's not connecting with anybody and it was just like at that point where I was just like please I can't, if there's, if there is another hour of this, please, for the love of God, make it more interesting than what we have been having to watch now. Not to mention, like, the fact that Runaway didn't even try and touch the point in the end. That was rough. It was just... Yeah, they they got, like, hard full held. Um, yeah. And this is where, I, I like, even watching this... If I watched this live, I would probably think Kong Du is going to end up winning this game. Just because it felt like Runaway didn't really have a plan for anything. And things started to turn around for them uh, going into map 6 on King's Row. King's Row? Where they bust out that crazy ass bumper on Zarya, Janu on Ball, Genji Sombra composition. And it totally worked. Uh, (laughs) It was so interesting. Because, like, after the break... I, I totally made a note that they do look strong and uh, there was the most relatable quote I had listened to in the entire broadcast which was they absolutely clapped Kong Du and I was like you know what that is that is probably the most relatable quote I have heard all day because yeah they they really really did and this is when they were showing so much Sue's like family in the audience and stuff and it totally reminded mm-hmm. me of when we would um when the crowds were allowed at sumo wrestling that we would watch mm-hmm. and it's just like all the sumo mom and dads 
They were there to sort of like support yeah. their kids and they would just pan to them in the audience and they would just be like, yeah, that's my boy. And I'm like, it, it had such that same vibe. And I was like, God, now I wish that I had, like we had gotten to see the Chinese and like Korean games. Cause like whole families would have been there for that. Oh yeah. No, it would have been such a vibe. Um, like, this comp was like, this comp was carried hard by Johnny though. Oh, Bumper no. was for sure. Okay. On Bumper was about like the level of Zarya as, like, what KS did K- KSF played Zarya mostly last season, but he was like on that level Something where he was just like a a good serviceable Zarya. But this entire composition was carried by Jono, who was the MVP of this particular map because his ball was just so disruptive and really allowed the Genji Sombra thing to work. Um, and Bumper was just kind of there, and he was cool. Like you know, he wasn't awful. But he wasn't as good as he usually is on, like, a Ryan or a Winston, where he actually makes an impact. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this map was definitely just all about Johnny on ball. Yeah, uh, no, there, so, was a, there was a moment where they yeah. talked about how there could be a Nanoblade. And I was like, an EMP Nanoblade? Are we seriously going to hit a triple? And then I remembered that, like, and it was at that point that uh, Bumper got his, uh, his Graviton Surge. And I was like, or heaven forbid, a quad? Like, use all of your ults, because that's just sounded like something that would happen with Haxel. And then they ended up not doing a Nanoblade, and Haxel, I think, like, died really quickly. <laughs> and I was like, well, there goes Haxel, and he used his blade, but no Nano Boost, so I guess that's not happening. And EMP also wasn't used, so I don't know. Here's one of those Haxel blades that we were talking about before already. Yeah, and, and yeah, I think... No, Janu um, yeah. totally, like the um the difference between like i think it was when he was hiding just up above point c like the very end stretch after you pass a little like barrier where he was hiding up in that corner and he like mm-hmm. sw- like came down and like completely wiped them out i was like oh oh so we're actually playing wrecking ball right now and then i think i don't remember who it was it might have been Bumper, it might have been somebody else, but I have in all caps, by God, he got the pick on Roar, and I don't remember what that was, but I think it was, like, the game-ending pick that they needed, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is probably, thank God, finally picking up to something where I'm like, after those games where it's just like, nobody's killing anybody, nobody's doing anything, finally we're seeing something, and it's the comp that they kind of came in with, but actually working. And I don't know who's the genius behind this, but, like, they need a handshake for sure. Mm-hmm. So, now we go into map 7, which is Dorado. And this is put-up-or-shut-up time for Runaway, right? So, mm-hmm. Runaway needs to come through right now. You know, th- this is this is time. You know, like, you gotta, you gotta take this map. So, Bumper is back on Zarya, which is like, alright, fine, this comp... You guys really like it. They get destroyed and pushed all the way to point C. Runaway says, alright, forget all the BS, we're going GOATS. And they do really well, but Decay, yet again, carries his team, and they finish the map. Yeah. So Runaway can I, can I, needs to... Can I take to, it oh, back yeah. a second? At the yeah. beginning of this uh, this map, I, I wrote down, okay, so Runaway's on defense, they're doing the Zarya, Hammond, Sombra, Genji, Mercy, Ana thing again. Good for them. And then I... Then, uh, up in the little, you know, like, hero select screen, I was like, ah, yes, what I call silver excellence to Nathan. 
the Zarya, Genji, Doomfist, Widow, Hanzo, Zen pick, you know, as one does for Panthera, which they, you know, eventually changed to the Winston, Genji, Brig, Widow, Hanzo, Zen thing, and then again changed up afterwards. But it was just like, ah, oh, yeah, sure, run that. The Zarya, Genji, Doomfist, Widow, Hanzo, Zen pick. Yeah, this that was one of those comps where it's like, I don't want to see anybody trying that in one of my games. Because this only works if you're a professional team. Like, this isn't something... Yeah, I was like... This isn't something you can do I was like, anywhere else. Oh, yes, that, that fabulous main tank Zarya coming in clutch with the, the shielding. And that mm, oh-so-good healing from Zenyatta. Like, but, um, okay. Yeah. But, I mean, they ended up going back to Goats when things got tight. So, Runaway needs to complete this map or they lose. So mm-hmm. it's 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 time to it's time to go hard. They they finish the map, and so they keep the dream alive, and now they have to play some hard defense. And this is where Runaway I think excels, and where I think the Vancouver Titans and an extension excel because they excel when a lot of pressure is put on them, barring the grand finals against the Shock. But the Shock were just way better. They excel in these moments where there's a lot of pressure on them, and there was a lot of pressure all of last season for them to succeed. And they ended up rising to the occasion. So they pretty much full hold Kongdu Panthera on defense. Yeah. And so all they had to do was just barely push the payload. And yet again, Bumper saves the team with a gigantic shatter. And they end up winning the map. So they force a map eight. They force a final map. Okay. I think what the, the most amazing part of this, like this push after the full hold was like Bumper hits a shatter. It doesn't do too much. And then Bumper hits the amazing Shatter. And they're like, you just hear Achilles and Wolf go fucking nuts because they're like, oh, he hit two. I can't believe he hit two. Yeah, like, where'd he get that Shatter from? <laughs> yeah. Like, it was as if, you know, Echo was in the game or something. I don't know. But it was it was at this point where I was like, okay, cool. I'm finally invested again into this, like, storyline that's going on. And, I mean, again, I know the outcome, but it's also just one of those moments where... Oh, finally. This team that I actually enjoyed watching in Overwatch League is finally looking like how they should be looking against the Shanghai Dragons. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so now we're going into map eight. So this is just to kind of put into some context, especially for I guess just anybody in life right now. Um the Shanghai Dragons went to a map eight in the Overwatch League as well this past season against the London Spitfire. Mm -hmm. And during this game, they talked all about this game as this was the second time they ended up in a map eight. This was, you know, just the the feelings of getting clapped by Runaway in a map eight and how they're going to react to playing against the London Spitfire. So this was just, I feel like the perfect... um, game to go back to because it really does tell the Shanghai Dragons story because even the players that ended up on the Shanghai Dragons this season it's not like they came in on a high note it's not like they came in as these victorious you know winners mm-hmm. they came into the Shanghai Dragons off of a crushing soul crushing defeat, defeat mm-hmm. and 
they came into a losing organization and a losing team and lost their first couple games and weren't that good the rest of the season. So the fact that they ended up making playoffs and and went to a map eight and had another heartbreaking loss is just a very nice bow to wrap on this like Kongdu Panthera squad story because now this season it's not necessarily the same kind of team Mm -hmm. you know now we have a lot more new players um this isn't really you know Youngjin is gone this isn't the Kongdu Panthera squad anymore yeah so I feel like it's really poetic how you know they they start kind of this early stages of a really strong run losing a map eight and then kind of finish it with another map eight in a high pressure situation um so we go to the final map we're on lighthouse first and both teams are running goats and i have to say that when kongdu panthera take the um the lighthouse the point there was a holy crap shatter and then a holy crap graviton surge where they just basically team wiped runaway twice before you know runaway even take control of the map which was at like 94% for the Kongdu uh, Panthera and then basically what saved them is Koma's un- unrealistic environmental kills on not only like this map but also on well when it when we come to it because mm-hmm. he didn't boop off bumper not once but twice when boo- like when uh, uh, when bumper almost made it to the point to like stall and it's just like, Jesus Christ! Like, talk about an aggressive Lucio. I haven't seen. Yeah, Como was Como was a playmaker this this game for sure. Um, Congo Panthera won that first part easy. Yeah, right. Um, they pretty much took Lighthouse, got ninety four percent. Runaway kind of stormed back, but Roar was so big. Roar was so big at this time. Where he just kept hitting like, these gigantic shatters, it was, and it was obviously Roar, unique. yeah, and obviously Roar, you know, um, he had another gigantic shatter for the Washington Justice uh, a couple weeks back in the Overwatch League, and I think Roar is a player that I definitely overlooked in season two, where oh yeah, no, definitely, I don't know, I don't think the I don't think the Gladiators really gave him a real good shine. I think the same was was with Void as well. Everybody talks about how insane Void was, but Void didn't really show that much for me just because I, I'm i very low on the Gladiators as a squad last mm-hmm. season. So looking at Roar now and just seeing how confident he was playing and how big of a playmaker he was, um, it was really impressive because he just kept hitting yeah, like sure. big shatter after big shatter and Bumper was looking like he was getting played out. Uh, so then we go to Well. And Runaway needs to win this point, you know. Uh, so Runaway goes with Genji Tracer Dive. Oh my god. And then immediately so the run game. back to point and go goats. <laughs> oh my god. That was the funniest thing. They see the, the goats coming and they're like, hold up, let me backpedal real quick. Maybe Genji Tracer Dive wasn't the best choice. Yeah, so the MVP of this map was the well itself. Yeah, because uh, Slime everybody. gets the first kill off Youngjin. Boops him. Runaway takes the point. Bumper hits a a roar shatter, effectively. Where he's like... Bumper was so out of position. And he was just like deep in the enemy backline. He just pressed Q and said, 
somehow this is going to work. And it ended up working. So Bumper hits this giant shatter. It's looking like Runaway is going to dominate. So Runaway has one win condition. They need to stop the grab and the shatter of Kong Du Panthera. Bumper dies. He gets booped. And then the shatter comes in. Roar goes crazy. They take control. Bumper dies again. Coma is just so much, so much feeding the well. So much. They, you know, when they say like, uh, I think it was Wolf and Achilles. Whenever they see Ilios, they're like, the well is hungry. You must sacrifice to the well. I'm pretty sure it's this game that they're talking about, where it's like you must feed the well, sacrifice all to the well, because yeah, God, it was crazy. Damn. Everything so despite the all the sacrifices, despite all the sacrifices, the Dow Jones still didn't go up, and Kongdu Panthera is ten percent away. From <laughs> and Kongdu Panthera is ten percent away from winning the map. Runaway ends up flipping the point. They have twenty eight percent to force match point. Slime is a magician. He somehow survives with like two HP left. He keeps the team alive. Runaway steals the point. The crowd is going insane oh, yeah, as they force a match point and wolf and achilleos are going crazy they're losing their voice they're just screaming out of their minds of excitement i mean these they're two so dudes excited. they're so excited about the like one-to-one match that even the production shoots off the streamers too early <laughs> oh everybody was just clenched the dude with the camera in like the third row back was like wait 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 what and he stood up and then he sat back down he's like wait no wait the game's not over yet like there was so many things where I was just like, there was there was a shot to the the Somansu's mom, and like dad in the crowd, and she's like crying, and they haven't even won yet, but she's crying, and I'm like, I feel you, mom, I feel you. Yeah, it was intense. So before we go to map five, I just want to throw some shine on on the boys Wolf and Achilles real quick because they made this map eight bearable, incredible. <laughs> And they made it epic, you know. Their really casting of them, yeah. is some of the best that that the over, that like Overwatch has because one, I feel like they're just fans first. Oh yeah, and they get hyped. They get hyped with you, and they sometimes the they just like lose control when a game is running good. And you could feel because yeah. I I mentioned I was like you know the casters at this point where it was just like nobody's getting kills, everything's just kind of dragging on that even they themselves, and maybe they shouldn't do this as casters, but in contenders, I feel like it's a little bit more like, eh, it's okay. But it did feel like, even during those moments where I was just kind of sitting in them, like, come on, guys, like, you got to put something into your, like, casting right now, because if I'm feeling it, and that I'm feeling that you're feeling it, then it's not really good for me as a viewer watching, because... Mm-hmm. I'm also getting really bored that nothing in actually interesting is happening because it's not like I don't play Overwatch. I know when I game it, and it's not like I haven't been watching Overwatch League and professional Overwatch for so long now that it's like I know when a game is going actually good and when a game is not going actually good. So it's like at the point where I'm kind of like, ugh, when things aren't yeah. going good and the casters aren't helping things along. Um, but these two really kept the game kind of going because even in like the mid rounds, like on Temple of Anubis, they did such a good job of setting up 
the importance of everything. Like, they would be like, Hoxel needs to hit this blade right now. And they're just as excited about what's oh, going to yeah. happen next as, as we are. And so, you know, we it's almost like we went on this journey with them. Because by this map 8, Wolf and Achilles are losing their voices. They, oh my God. They're just they're losing yelling. Their they're just, like, so excited. And it's just so good to have. And, you know, they're probably one of the best uh, casting teams in terms of, like, uh, conveying emotion. I think Uber and Mixer, Mr. X are really good at just like as a duo and and kind of being bouncing off like each the other, big yeah. game announcers. Um, but Wolf and Achilles do such a good job at like capturing these big moments and just losing their minds. Um, obviously, I guess the biggest example is when Shanghai got their first win, and Wolf and Achilles are just like screaming their heads off. Not only are like, they screaming losing their, their heads, minds over, they're it. screaming their heads off. But also, it's these guys that they just watched yeah. have this moment. Um, I think that's powerful is that they they understand I think more than every caster I feel like they understand and can can really do a good job of um, putting everything into context Mm -hmm. and really setting things up and obviously like it was a big joke last you know last season where it's like oh here goes Wolf and Achilles talking about Apex again but I really value that because Definitely it do. gives a sense of history and and, yeah. it, and it tells that they follow these characters careers and for any new viewer or you know even us who didn't watch apex it it's really good to hear them talk about like a vancouver titans and really be able to put in perspective like no this is a team that has been together for three years yeah like no. this isn't just some random team like they've been together for so long and they've gone through things so now that they're seeing all the success in the overwatch league it's the conclusion of a big journey it's not like they just suddenly came in and were good this is a journey for them i definitely think that uh we witness a lot of people who like lose like they we talked about how important it is for the players like jake and um people who have left and becoming casters and like desk analysts and stuff how important it is to keep them around for the history and looking at these hindsight games, especially from like doing day one and then going into doing this game where it's like there is so much more history to Overwatch League than we're actually contemplating about. And when we do eventually do our hindsight 2024 and Apex game, I do think it'll be at like those moments where it's like now we kind of appreciate Jay Hong for who he was and Jonak for who he was and all these other players looking at them from a broader sense than just herp derp they're in the league now you know yeah so now we go to ruins the, and oh hold on Como for the like 13th time of the 13th time has the boop for days in this match yeah he goes hard he goes Como goes hard but Bumper that just opens up the game and goes bumper like he just says fuck it and just walks forward into the team and just oh, yeah. nobody's gonna kill him <laughs> like this was this was this is where you want bumper you know this, this is where was, you want him on your team this was the map where i think bumper and haxel are on that little ridge facing towards where uh panthera will be coming from and they're standing like right side by side and it was right before Bumper hit, like, this huge shatter, which Koma then boops him out of the way, you know, of ramming through. But it was, like, right there at that moment where everything clicked. And I'm like, 
it's the Titans. This is this is the mm-hmm. Titans right now. This is what they are, and this is what they brought into. This attitude right here is what they brought into the league, and that's why they got as far as they did. And it wasn't until, like, Shock literally clocked them for their shit, which, mind you, when I was very upset that I was watching a three-hour-long game, basically, that I went and I looked at some of, like, I was like, I wonder what the shortest game in Overwatch is. And I think the 31 minutes that it took for Shock to be Vancouver in Stage Two playoffs is pretty impressive. Um, yeah, pretty pretty, pretty close. I, I think. Pro- I, I would. I think the shortest game. I'll have to look, but I'm pretty sure it's like a. I mean, God, like some of those Boston games this season were pretty short. I wonder if those like Boston got kind of destroyed some of those games. Oh, like yeah. I think it was against New York. They got like ran over. Yeah, it's um, definitely something that I, I had to sit deeper with, but when I ran into, like, the Shock Stage 2 playoffs, I was like, wow, that was pretty short. Can't believe that. But, again... Yeah. But either way, like, Bumper... This is Bumper's map, and this is where you want him on your team, where he's is... a playmaker. And he's he's going to just... Like, he's going to commit, and you have no choice but to commit with him. Yeah. And so, he forces the action. Like, he hits... A bunch of giant shatters, and Kongu Panther just doesn't know what they to do. Choked. And you really can they choked. no, you can you can tell they choked because they wasted a bad self destruct, and Decay wasted a grab. Yeah. And in a map eight, the final point, you can't waste an ult because if you waste an ult and lose that fight, you're giving up like fifteen percent or twenty percent. So this was so much. You're giving up a lot. This was so much where, you know, we saw titans on their downfall when havana came in and on with the spark where spark should have won that choke was this like kongdu panthera choke yes like it was it's not that like i mean you know titans was on their downs that down uh swing then went against the spark but it was like one of those moments where it's like you guys had everything you needed to win this match at least get onto the point and y'all just, y'all literally choked so right. hard. And so it was great. Bumper hits a, yeah, so Bumper hits a giant shatter on Koma. They kill Roar. Decay gets melted. And Runaway ends up winning the game in map eight. Dominant last two points. And they win the Contenders Championship. And the crowd is going as crazy as I've ever seen a crowd in Overwatch go. All the fans are in tears. Like, you have people just, like, not even crying. You have people sobbing. Like, so oh yeah, happy and, and, and so, um, you know, all this tension that built up through these eight maps. And if you're in there as a Runaway fan, like, it's just like this constant, like, it's just a stressful game. Oh, yeah, no. And sure. they won, and ev- all the fans are in tears. And no, it was just, like, this huge moment. Yeah. Yeah. I have some, like, last-minute notes because I had to point out, like, it was, again, basically me watching where it was, like, the most exhausting points of the game and then them pushing through that and, like, you know, getting that, like, adrenaline of, like, let's get this done, let's do this, let's win this, let's go, you know, from the, um, from Runaway. I was like, this game had to be exhausting. And, like, there was just, the crowd was crying, staff was crying, players were crying you could see players in the background crying and i wanted to point out that like all like basically all of runaway was crying which is like the vancouver titans and yet 
it's so it's it's such a thing to point out that like only an American like group of fans watching would point out when um was it Jay Hong cried mm-hmm. last season that they would be yeah. like why are you showing this like don't do this like it's not it's not right it's not don't don't like do this to like people like blah, blah blah and I was like you have to understand like thinking of that that Jay Hong game that was also like a fucking exhausting match for, for them mm-hmm. and like they have all the rights to be like emotional about that because I believe Seoul lost that game, but they were putting everything they had into it. And it gets to a certain point where it's like when the Shanghai Dragons won, where it's like, it gets to a point where, you know, after so many times and different cultures and different ways of being like, hey, I'm so sorry to my fans. Like, I generally think that like, Jay Hong felt like he let, let down every single fan, like for the last time as a, like a Seoul Dynasty player. You know, it was like that was his game. He should have won it, and he felt like he was letting down everybody. And same way with this game, where it was like exhausting, but they like let like they they had the entire crowd like basically the entire crowd behind them, and just the emotional relief all of them together collectively must have been like the most amazing vibe check I <laughs> I would have ever witnessed on camera. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, man. This game was probably, like, it was totally worth rewatching or, oh, yeah. you know, watching. And, um, I think it was just one of those games where I feel like it's, it's an Overwatch game at its peak. And, and what I mean by that is it's back and forth. It's, it has all the history and emotion, and whatever to it. But if you just look, like, purely at the gameplay, I think there's a lot of really smart counterpicking. There's a lot of, you know, like, big plays and, and, and smart strategies. And I think this game is where GOATS probably should have been at. And I think if GOATS stayed at this level, um, we wouldn't be locked in 2-2-2 right now. Because obviously, after this game and, and leading into Stage 2, or, or Season 2, GOATS became every single game, every point, no matter what, you ran GOATS. You had to play and yeah, and that became a problem. But in this game, GOATS was situational. Like, these teams didn't just only play... Obviously, you know, in Map 8, when things got super tight, they played GOATS. But yet again, this entire game was was meaningful. And so mm-hmm. there were maps where they would go... They would try out Genji, they would try out Doomfist, they would try out Widow. And every single time they deviated from GOATS, it was a situational thing. And GOATS ended up being situational. Like, on Eichenwald, they only really went GOATS, like to take the third point because it, it's it's close quarters and goats ex- excels in that environment yeah and so i i enjoyed goats during this game because it was one it was a big part but it was just one part of of like a grander strategy and a grander um you know like just just a grander uh tapestry of overwatch right yeah oh, you uh, know, there's this, and there's eventually this became that... the entire thing sorry go ahead finish up no you're good Okay, there's this theory where it's like collectively people who go through changes and something have like emotion, like different emotions. Like a lot of people going through this like lockdowns and like all these are going to be like, what the hell is human touch after this? But it was one of those moments where 
I was watching this game and I saw goats and then I would see people switch off of goats and just have this like open reign of playing whatever hero they wanted and I for a second I was like what are they playing what is this game like you know it was a split second where I was like I can't believe the game ever allowed somebody to just have this like freedom to switch to a support when they needed to like it was just one of those moments where I was like I can't believe that I can only play this now in like an arcade game mode on this game or you know somebody custom somebody's custom game like it was so weird to see that and it's just it's just as weird going into like a competitive game from going from like a casual game where it's the 2-2 lock to like the competitive game and then it's like also I don't get to play some certain heroes like there's so many things that have come in because of the Overwatch League and I don't know if it's like it does balance out the game in like some aspects but it's also there's other times where I'm like this game really has just like like the league has really taken over how the game is shaped and I wish that they kind of had done that sooner with the game following things that like in Apex where they could have changed things or it's like it's weird to see that the development of the game has also gone with the way their esports has gone and how they're kind of evolving together and that's going to be interesting when we go into like Overwatch 2 and how it's going to change everybody's playing of the game also yeah for sure um but yeah that was Kongu Panther versus Runaway uh probably one of I guess you know the most significant matches um you know, it was effectively Shanghai Dragons versus Vancouver Titans and so eventually yeah eventually when we look back at you know Shanghai's playoff run which I definitely think deserves like kind of another look back For I'm sure. sure we're going to be talking about this game a lot too because there are a lot of parallels that happen and I just think it's I don't know I think it's cool that these were at, you know at the time the only two organizations that were in season one of Apex and that made it to you know played in contenders so these are there's a lot of history in this game um yeah this is like a really exciting game uh definitely worth a watch and it's just cool seeing every single one of these players made an impact in the overwatch league uh you know this was very much a uh you know like a i don't know like a damn like college all-star game or something you know this is like seeing the best college players before they made it to the league yeah yeah. Before we leave, I want to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Scrapyard Media. Of course, catch us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hope you've been enjoying Hindsight 2020. Stay safe. The world could always use more heroes. Why don't you be one? Roll outro.